The Trump economy continues to boom with employment so high, Trump is going to have to build the wall just so he can tear it down to let in more workers. Black and Hispanic unemployment are at record lows, and the gap between the white and black economy is narrowing in important ways. And so, of course, Democrats are angry. After a June jobs report highlighting over 200,000 new jobs, DNC chair Tom Socialism is Our Future Perez issued a statement saying Donald Trump's policies were, quote, reckless, unquote. Perez said if Trump continues to recklessly provide jobs for Americans, it will actually increase unemployment, especially among Democrat politicians. Nancy Pelosi says high unemployment is bad for America because when people have jobs, they stop collecting unemployment benefits, which, according to Nancy Pelosi, are one of the best ways to create jobs. Now, let me say about unemployment insurance, we talk about it as a safety net and the rest. This is one of the biggest uh, stimuluses to our economy. Economists will tell you this money is spent quickly. It uh, injects demand into the economy and is job creating. It creates jobs faster than almost any other initiative you can name because, again, it is money that is needed for families to survive and it is spent. Uh, So it has a double benefit. It helps those who've lost their jobs, but it also is a job creator. So according to Nancy Pelosi, if people have jobs, they won't collect unemployment, so they won't have jobs because they have jobs. Pelosi also asked reporters why she was wearing her blouse inside out and how all that lipstick had gotten on her forehead. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer said the Great Jobs Report had caused the Statue of Liberty to start crying because low unemployment proved illegal immigrants were no longer being allowed to break into the country and take jobs from Americans. Schumer later conceded that the Statue of Liberty might also just be crying because she had gone off her meds. In fact, Schumer said that might be why he was crying, too. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. Life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing. Hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy. The world is zipity-zing. It's a wonderful day. Hooray, hooray. It makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. Oh, hooray, hooray. All right, we're back. The Clavelands weekend is over. I had a great weekend. I went whale watching. I lived in Santa Barbara for 15 years. I never went whale watching. But Jeremy Boring, the god king of the Daily Wire, is obsessed with it. So he took a bunch of us, Knowles and me, and a bunch of us out to uh, whale watch. And it is spectacular. I mean, what a show. You see the blue whales, their tails fly. It's like, it's like watching a, uh, a freight car rise up from the deep. It really is beautiful. We're surrounded by dolphins and everything like that. And Jer- who knows? Jeremy, <laughs> this is, he brags about it, but it turns out to be true. He has a talent for spotting whales. Like, who, yeah, we always want, we call him the god king because we don't know what he does. <laughs> but it turns out what he does is he spots whales. I've never seen anything like it. They sit up, the, the crew sits up on the top of the boat looking for whales. And, and then Jeremy just flags him and says, no, no, there's one over there. And they turn the boat. Over. It's true. Every single time. I think he spotted every single thing we saw before anybody else did. It is almost time for our next episode of The Conversation on Tuesday, July 17th at 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Pacific. 
The conversation will be held with none other than Andrew Clavin. Oh, wait, that's me. I will be talking to Alicia Krauss. It's the only time she concedes to talk to me or even sit anywhere where I can get my hands on her. The Q&A will stream live on YouTube and Facebook for everyone to watch, but only Daily Wire subscribers can ask me questions. To submit your questions, log into thedailywire.com and head over to the conversation page to watch the live stream. Type your question into the Daily Wire chat box to have it read and answered on the air. Once again, subscribe to get your questions answered by me. Andrew Claven on Tuesday, July 17th at 5.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Pacific. Join the conversation. Also, by the way, in the fall, go on YAF.org because we are now working with them to supply evil right-wing thoughts to students who have not got enough evil right-wing thoughts in their heads. Uh, we'll be doing, going a speaking tour uh, in in autumn. And so if you go on YIF.org, you can find out about it. I hear that Knowles will also be allowed on campus, which will be a first for him. He went to Yale the entire time. They never let him on campus uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, also, you want while you're doing all this, you want the most important thing you can do while you're listening to me speak is keep your teeth in your face. You want to keep your teeth in your face. And because they're in your face, you want them to look good. And the best way to do this, my own dentist told me this, is to use an electric toothbrush. And Quip is the one you want. The thing about electric toothbrushes is they work great. They work better. But Quip is an electric toothbrush toothbrush that packs just the right amount of vibrations into a slimmer design and is a fraction of the cost of bulkier traditional electric brushes. Quip also comes with a mount that suctions right to your mirror. I, I like to put it right on my forehead. It unsticks to use as a cover for hygienic travel anywhere. And Quip's subscription plan refreshes your brush on a dentist-recommended schedule, delivering new brush heads every three months for just five bucks, including free shipping worldwide. Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash Claven right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash Claven, spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com. Yes, of course, but what about Claven? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. Do it and let them know we sent you so they will continue to sponsor our show and no we can ease. continue. No, there's no ease in Claven. Uh, I don't, there's an E in get quip, but <laughs> that's it. All right. Let me make you wiser with one sentence. I'm going to make you wiser with one sentence. You are what you do. You are what you do. One of the things that people delude themselves with is they say, yeah, you know, I, I cheated on my wife, but I'm not an adulterer. You know, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm violent and angry all the time, but I'm not really an angry guy. I'm really a good guy. And not so. If you're doing it, that's who you are. And the thing is, you have got to take, if you are doing stuff and you're blaming Donald Trump, or even if you're blaming Barack Obama, because Barack Obama was president for eight years. I despised the guy. I thought he was corrupt and competent. I never attacked anybody physically or on the street or harassed anybody. Of course I didn't, because you are what you do. And I don't want to be that guy. You know, there are two TV shows recently, one called Bloodlines, and another one called that I really like called Search Party. I actually like both of them. But both of them fill, were filled with people doing terrible things who kept saying, well, we're not bad people. I mean, in fact, the Bloodline uh, promo was, we're not bad people, but we did a bad thing. If you're doing bad things, you are a bad person. Take a look. Here, is a mem here are members of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you know, the girl who just got, uh, who's going to be the congresswoman uh, candidate for the Dems in Queens. She's a socialist. Here are members of her party harassing uh, Mitch McConnell as he comes out of a restaurant in Kentucky. Vote you out! 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 
So you know, we know where you live. He's a 76-year-old man, right? He's a 76-year-old man who has been duly elected by his country, which is a democratic, free democratic republic, to be senator. He's been in there, who knows, I can't even remember how long, but he is now the Senate majority leader. So a respected member of a duly, uh, duly elected member of our law legislature. And they're surrounding the 76-year-old man and shouting at him, we know where you live. If you are doing that, you are a thug. It's not Trump's fault you're a thug. It's not Mitch's fault you're a thug. You are a thug. The mayor of Durban, uh, North Carolina, is trying to shut down a Jordan Peterson speech because he disagrees with Jordan Peterson and he calls him all these names like the left does. All those names like racist and homophobic and transphobic. They just mean I disagree with you. So he disagrees, so he's going to shut them down. Well, if Jordan Peterson disagrees with the mayor of Durban, does he shut him down? No. Why? Because the mayor of Durban is a thug. The mayor of Durban is acting like a fascist. If you are chasing people, Steve Bannon got chased out of a bookstore, the founder of the Walk Away movement. This guy, Brandon Straka, was in New York. Uh, He was at a camera store and they wouldn't serve him. You know, it's not on Trump. It's not Trump's fault if you suck. You know, if you gang up on women... In movie theaters, you're a bully. It's not on Trump. You are a bully. If you harass duly elected public officials in restaurants, you are a thug. If you oppose free speech, like the New York Times does for anyone who disagrees with you, if you shout people down at colleges, if you attack them, it's not Trump who's the fascist. It's you. You are what you do. You know, I mean, I think it's it's time. It really is time. And why? Why? How did you become like this? You think you're a good person. How'd you become a bad person? Well, it's got to be, got to be your ideas. It's got to be your philosophy. You know, socialism, (laughs) socialism is not wrong because it doesn't work. It doesn't work, but it's also wrong. It is wrong just like slavery was wrong. It's wrong for exactly the same reasons. You know, in slavery, in movies about slavery, they always try to tell you how bad slavery is by showing people get whipped and brutalized. But slavery wasn't bad because people got whipped and brutalized. Slavery... People got whipped and brutalized because slavery was bad. That's why that happened. Because when you want to control people, when you want to take people's freedoms away, when you want them to become instruments of your will, you have to abuse them and enslave them. So what what does it mean when you talk about slavery? Why is slavery wrong? Slavery is wrong because people should be free. That is self-evident. We hold that as a self-evident truth that people should be free. What does it mean for people to be free? It means you cannot use superior force to force them to do what you want them to do. Now, obviously, there are some limits on people's behavior. You can't murder somebody. You can't physically attack somebody. But we want to keep those as small as possible, those limitations as small as possible. The fact that some are needed is not an excuse to have to control people's behavior altogether. Slavery is wrong because it is wrong for people with superior power to tell people with less power to use that power to force people to do what they want. Why does that include property? You know, sometimes people don't know about this. It includes property because your life is made of time. Your life, that's all you have in life is time. When your time is up, your life is over. That's it. So when you use your life, when you are free, you choose to use your time the way you want. If I build a statue in my house and I sculpt it, you can't come into my house and take that statue away. It's mine. It's part of my life. It's part of my freedom. If I use my time to make money, you can't come and take that money away, even if you are oh so smart and oh so good and your experts are oh so brilliant that they know how to spend my money better than I know how to spend my money. It is still slavery. It is still wrong. And when you enslave people, you have to brutalize them because they do not like it. They don't like it. Well, how do you do that? How do you get people to give up their freedom? I'll talk about that in just a second. But first, 
I've got to talk about Helix Sleep. Nobody knows more about Helix Sleep than me because I never go to sleep. So I get to use their pillow all night long and feel how comfortable it is. Other people, see, other people are trying to sell you. Their, their mattresses are brilliant. They make their mattresses just for you. But other people don't know this, right? Because they're asleep on the mattresses. I'm awake all night, so I know how comfortable this stuff is. Helix Sleep has developed a mattress that's customized to your specific height, weight, and sleep preferences so you can have the best sleep of your life at an unbeatable price. Here's how it works. You go to helixsleep.com, fill out their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll design your custom mattress. They can even customize each side of it for you and your partner. The all-new pillows, I have one. They're fully adjustable. You can achieve perfect comfort regardless of sleep position or body type. They really are great. And I know because I'm awake all night lying on them thinking how comfortable they are. Go to helixsleep.com slash Clavin right now, and you'll get up to $125 toward your mattress order. That's helixsleep.com slash Clavin for up to $125 off your mattress order. Helixsleep.com slash Clavin. I know what you're thinking. No, I don't. But maybe you're thinking, how do you spell Clavin? It's K-L-A-V. A-N. So when you want to take people's freedom away, you got to scare them. you got to change the rules of the game, right? So it's not, you can't say to somebody, oh, you're wrong. I disagree with you. You have to say, oh, you're racist. You're a terrible person. So Trump tonight is going to pick a new justice of the Supreme Court, right? And, and it will probably, if he does it right, if he gets it well, if he does it the way he's supposed to, it will move the court slightly to the right. Not a lot to the right, because Anthony Kennedy was really a right-wing judge and by right wing, by the way, we want something different on the right than the left wants. The left wants the results they want. They want abortion. They want gay rights. We want them to follow the law as it is written. And if the law needs to be changed, we want to change the law. That's called being a free country. They want to manipulate the law and declare the law to be what it what they want it to be. So it's very different. We're fighting over two very different things. It's not that the right wants decisions on the right and the left wants decisions on the left. The left wants decisions on the left and the right wants decisions according to the law. Very, very different things. So probably if we're lucky, if Trump does a good job, the court will move slightly to the right but and John Roberts will become the swing vote rather than Anthony Kennedy, which is not going to be that, that big a change. But they are going nuts. Here is a montage from our friends at Grebian of the reporting on this, just trying to get people scared because they want your freedom. They want to take your freedom away. Uh, this is cut number three. We're looking at a, a, a destruction of the Constitution of the United States, as far as I can tell. This is a line that's been drawn about whether we are going to criminalize women. This nomination that moved the court in a really dangerous direction. It's a very thin line between putting a woman in prison for a stillbirth or a miscarriage that she's blamed for, for something she did during her pregnancy, and criminalizing abortion. So What's at stake are, are their constitutional rights, the protection against the abuses of power by the president, by Congress, by by corporate America. A uh, justice that would reverse Roe. What happens? In essence, we go to 50 civil wars in each of the states plus the District of Columbia. For instance, federal survivor benefits from Social Security. Federal worker pensions could be lost. They also want to criminalize abortion in this country. They're literally trying to punish women. If he does pick a woman, she'll be, woman she'll be known as the Aunt Lydia of the Supreme Court. And I think the legacy that this president is creating really is turning back the clock 100 years. 
I don't, that was a lot going by. If, I don't know if you heard that one woman essentially saying that if you're pregnant and you take a drink and you have a miscarriage, Republicans are going to put you in jail. That's basically, basically what their, their argument is. Just so you know, that's what we're all thinking. So campus reform, I love these guys. They, they do a great job. We had them on once before. We should have them back. Campus reform goes out and interviews students about things. So this time they go out, and this looks like NYU. It is NYU. They're, um, they're, they ask students to discuss Trump's Supreme Court pick, which hasn't been made yet, right? So there is no Supreme Court yet. So they ask them how they like the Supreme Court pick that doesn't exist. What's your reaction to the, the, the justice that he nominated today? I'm honestly not surprised by his choice, but yeah. that's just worse for us. I just saw the pick and I was like, like, it's almost at a point where you kind of expect that some, it's not going to be what you want. He's quite, you know, extreme in his views. And I don't know if it would make the Supreme Court very even. I see it all over the news that, like, he's, he's like, a racist. This new, like, nominee is very racist, and I think it's starting a new wave of something, something very negative. And I'm really scared about what happened in the future and what choices he'll make. And so what reaction have you seen on social media today after the news? Oh, outrage, as it should be. If this is just a reoccurring thing. He keeps doing this with different positions and just doing whatever he wants, abusing his power. Just, do you, do you, so do you feel like his pick is an abuse of power? Uh, basically, yeah. His entire cabinet and everyone he's chosen has been the white supremacist Legion of Doom, and it's dangerous to everyone who looks like me. <laughs> it's like, so the, the media goes out and terrorizes these kids who are not reading in, enough information to know what, what the hell is going on, and then they think that they are under attack, and they think that the, you know, this, this guy thinks his, you know, the the cabinet is filled with white supremacists and the court has now appointed a white supremacist, you know, and that turns people violent and they become the instruments, the useful idiots of this creed. And this creed is socialism and socialism is slavery. If you don't, you know, if you don't believe this, the guy who really has started this movement, re, re uh, legitimized socialism in America, Bernie Sanders, you know, go back and look at some of the old clips of him talking about Castro. I mean, let's let us not make any mistake about Fidel Castro. This, this man who Barbara Walters flirted with, who um, other American journalists actually slept with, who they actually praised. Fidel Castro, the Castro regime's total death toll, according to the Cuba archive. This is, this is people dead from torture, prison beatings, firing squads, machine gunnings, uh, drownings, and so on. 100,000 people, 100,000 people in a population of 6.4 million with 500,000 Cubans being put in prison and forced labor camps, which means that in according to their population, this is worse than Stalin. I mean, the, the uh, percentages, worse than Stalin, one of the great tyrants of all of human history. I, I mean, they used to, you know, Fidel Castro and used to take pictures of them murdering people and, and send them around just like the ISIS, just like ISIS does today. Let's go back in time just a little bit. This is 1985, right? So it's 25 years after Castro is in power. He's doing all this stuff. He's been doing it. Here is Bernie Sanders talking about him. Cut number eight. Way back in, when was it, 1961, they invaded Cuba. And everybody was totally convinced that Castro was the worst guy in the world. All the Cuban people were going to rise up in rebellion against Fidel Castro. They had forgot that he educated their kids, gave them health care, totally transformed the society. You know, not to say that uh, Fidel Castro or Cuba are perfect. They are certainly not. But just because Ronald Reagan dislikes these people does not mean to say that the people in their own nations feel the same way. So they expected this tremendous uprising in Cuba. It never came. You know, it's funny. He sounds just like every communist I've ever 
heard. These young kind, they have they have all this talk, and they're talking really fast, and you can't really tell. You're starting to say, wait, 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 wait. Could we go back to the people, 100,000 people being tortured to death, the 500,000, half a million people out of a population of 6 million, half a million being put in forced labor camps? What What is there? Is there nothing there? So you can say, well, that's 1985, dude. That's like, uh, now I'm doing the math. It's like 30 years ago, right? It's 30 years ago. Listen to him today. He's still making excuses for him. A lot of positive things that can be said. Their healthcare system for a third world country is is quite good. Uh, it's universal. All people have healthcare without any expense. Last time I was there, I visited a hospital where they do very, very serious and good work. They come up with a lot of uh, new drugs, actually, in Cuba, I believe. Their educational system is strong. Uh, but in truth, their economy is in pretty bad shape. And in truth, you don't do very well if you dissent in Cuba. So I think... You know, if you look over Castro's long life, he overthrew a terrible dictator, supported by the United States of America, uh, Batista. Uh, some very positive changes came about. And we could argue to the cows come home to what degree American interference, you know, created the kind of society that exists in Cuba today. I could do a whole show just talking about those that 30 seconds. I mean, everything about it is insane. The the hospital, they show him a Potemkin hospital. The healthcare in Cuba is crap. They show him a Potemkin hospital and he's, he thinks it's it's wonderful. Yeah, you don't do too well if you dissent, but you get free healthcare, which is great. So they come and crack you over the head for disagreeing with Castro, but you get your healthcare is free when they take you to carry you off to the hospital and then they shoot you, you know? So it's like, it's great. It's a great system. And then blaming America, the fact that there was a bad dictator there whom we supported to keep monsters like Castro out of power. That was always why we were supporting these guys, was to keep communism from spreading because it's slavery. It is inherently slavery, and like slavery, it is inherently violent. And I I just want to play one more clip of Bernie, and I don't mean to go after him particularly, except he is the voice of the Democratic Party, and he is the voice of all these students that you hear who are socialists, who know just as much as the students you just heard talking about a SCOTUS pick that doesn't exist, right? Bernie is their spirit animal. So I'm just, just showing you who the guy is. He's talking about bread lines. We, here in America, when we would look at the Soviet Union, here in America, where the biggest problem the poor has is obesity, right? Our poor people are obese in America. I mean, it's not, I'm not praising poverty. I'm just saying that if you live in a country where poor people are, their problem is they're obese, you're doing better than other countries. Here he is talking about bread lines in communist countries back in 85. You know, it's funny. Sometimes American journalists talk about how bad a country is because people are lining up for food. That's a good thing. In other countries, people don't line up for food. The rich get the food and the poor starve to death. It's a good thing when people are lining up for food, when they have food shortages. They have food shortages because of forced, you know, uh, they because they took over the farming industries because they take over the industries and the industries collapse when there's no competition. Industries collapse when they're state-run. Industries collapse when they're run from the top down. That's why they have the shortages. They don't need to have shortages. They, they don't have shortages here. We, we don't have food shortages here and people do not lie, have bread lines. They, like I said, the poor in our country are obese because they have plenty of food. We don't have that problem. It's, it's, it's unbelievable the things, you know, philosophy... It really, people do not pay enough respect to the power of ideas. Ideas can make you evil. They can make you good. 
They can make you better. They can make your country better. They can make your country worse. Ideas matter. They matter so much. You are what you do, but what you do comes out of what you believe. What you do is produced by what you believe. I mean, this is when Jesus would say, don't worry about what you take into your mouth. Worry about what comes out of your mouth because that comes out of your heart. Your actions come out of your heart. When you are surrounding an old man on the street, an elected official on the street and screaming at him or a woman, that comes out of your heart. Your heart has been poisoned by your ideas. You know, I, I was watching, I saw this uh, clip from this woman, Michelle Wolf, who is the comedian who, I guess she started out on The Daily Show. And like Samantha B, she's just not that funny. I mean, she's, uh, you know, occasionally she says something funny. She has to show the break. And she does a thing celebrating abortion. We're not going to say safe but rare. We want to celebrate abortion. Here she is. Abortion shouldn't be a luxury. It should be the new, it shouldn't be the new I summer in Montauk. It should be on the dollar menu at McDonald's. Uh, hey, I'd like a large Diet Coke and can you get this egg out of my McMuffin? So tonight, in honor of America, I'd like to do a salute to abortion in the break's 10th annual Salute to Abortion. Women, if you need an abortion, get one! If you want an abortion, get one! If you're not pregnant but you think you eventually might be and want to order a future abortion, get one! If you're pregnant and you want to be pregnant, don't get one! It's up to you, and it doesn't have to be a big deal. It's actually a great deal. It's about $300. That's like six movie tickets. Movie tickets, a bad deal! So this is the, the problem with the philosophy is, of course, that unborn babies are children. Unborn babies are people. Now, you can make, there are arguments you can make for abortion. I don't think they hold up, but you can make abortions. But if you're celebrating an abortion, something has happened, something wrong has happened to you. Your philosophy has polluted your heart, and ultimately you are going to become a bad person. You're going to be sitting there going, we're good people, while you're burying the body of the innocent. You know, I mean, that is, that is what ideas do to you. This is, this is degraded stuff. It really is. I mean, let alone that it's not funny, but it might have been funny. She might have had better writers. It might have been a funny routine, praising abortion. It still would have been degraded, twisted, ugly stuff. Your ideas, you've got to care about your ideas. And one of the ways you know that your ideas have degraded you is when you find yourself doing something terrible, like harassing a woman on the street or harassing a man on the street, shouting to people, shutting them up, shutting them down, attacking people for speaking. When you find yourself doing those things, it's time to say, oh, I'm not a good person anymore. I am what I do, and I'm doing bad stuff, and it must be because of my ideas. You know, this guy we were talking about who couldn't get served in a camera store has the walk away movement. Walk away. When you find yourself doing stuff like that, bullying people, harassing people, taking away their freedom, walk away from your ideas. you got to change them up. Hey, Michael Knowles who you may have heard of, although why you would have heard of him, I don't know, but you might have heard of him. He was going to be with us in a moment. He's going to, we're going to continue this discussion, especially when it comes to God and the Democrats, a really interesting discussion. But we have to break away from Facebook and YouTube to say, cast you out into the exterior darkness where there is great wailing and gnashing of teeth. You can come over to the dailywire.com and listen to the show. But if you subscribe for a lousy 10 bucks a month, you could watch the whole thing there. 
And you get all kinds of benefits, like you get to ask questions in the conversation coming up next Tuesday, is it? Next Tuesday. You get, and, and the mailbag. All my answers to questions are guaranteed 100% correct and will change your life sometimes for the better. So that's worth 10 bucks a month. And if you want to get a lousy 20 bucks off your subscription, subscribe for the year. It only costs 100 bucks, And you get the Leftist Tears Tumblr, which, after Trump's Supreme Court selection should fill up to overflowing automatically. So do keep it uh, a little piece of plastic under your tumbler in order uh, the, the leftist tears don't stain your desk. All right, we got Michael Knowles coming up. Knowles. Hey, Drew, <laughs> I, I was watching that clip on the show before it came on. If that woman gets a Netflix show, what am I doing wrong? I'm not saying I'm the funniest guy in the world, but that that quali- that gets you your own Netflix show. Now. That, I think what you're doing wrong is not that you're not a, <laughs> yeah, not right. celebrating abortion. I think that's <laughs> where you went. Is that maybe that voice is a little also bit the voice? I know, you know. I'm sorry, but like the word "shrill" like should have her next. To, <laughs> we should <laughs> use picture. that for the next ki- season of Another Kingdom. <laughs> Just for the for the mouse, you mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, Speaking of which, that was a that was a hell of a trip on that whaling boat, wasn't it? That wasn't was incredible. It, it was, I, you know, I'd, I'd really like to portray it for everyone listening as though we were out, you know, with Ahab with and Ishmael, there, yeah. harpooning <laughs> them. Yeah, it was wonderful though. We got, I didn't realize you can just see blue whales up that close. <laughs> I, you know, like I said, I lived in Santa Barbara for 15 years. I never did that. I did. I had. I did go out once out to the islands to uh, kayak. And I saw these these absolute field of dolphins. I mean, it's unbelievable. You just see thousands of dolphins. But we saw so much stuff. And I got to say, we now know what what Jeremy's uh, talent is. That is true. It was unbelievable. <laughs> the guy zeroed in like miles away. He said, "I'm oh, right dead ahead." Yeah, and. and, and- I really have to thank him, too. It is so much easier to write my show with that warm light of the blubber in the lamps at night. It's so much better than fluorescent. I know, I know. They do make great lanterns, those whales. All right. All right. So we've been talking about ideas, and, you know, Trump is going to pick the Supreme Court. If he picks Amy Barrett, who I really like, and she's a Catholic, they have been going after her for her Catholicism, which I find repulsive in the extreme, but it is part of their philosophy, is it not? This is amazing. It it began, it really rose to everyone's attention in 2012 when the Democrats booed God at their national convention. (laughs) Yes, they say they didn't do that. They they did do that. Do you want to see it? I have the clip. Do you you need to see it? Yeah, show it. Let's let's see the clip. Intended to change the platform to address the criticism and watch what happened. Is there any further discussion? Hearing none, the matter requires a two-thirds vote in the affirmative. All those delegates in favor say aye. All those delegates opposed say no. In the opinion of the... Let me do that again. All of those delegates in favor say aye. All those delegates opposed say no. All those delegates opposed say no. In the opinion of the chair, two-thirds have voted in the affirmative. The motion is adopted, and the platform has been amended as shown on the screen. 
So that's that's as they're putting God back into the platform. They said we're going to put God back in because God was in in 2008. They took it out because Democrats hate God. Yeah. <laughs> the Democratic Party <laughs> hates God. And then they, they realized this was probably not a good look, doesn't play in Peoria. So they decided to put it back in. And you hear it. So they shout, no, no, give us Barabbas. Kill him. <laughs> no. God, something like that. I couldn't hear the exact words. And But then at the very end, he just pretends. He's even being kind of yeah. honest in his facial expressions. He says, yeah, no, it sounds like two things. Thirds, okay, it's back in. And they boo. They literally say yeah. boo, you know. Yeah. So this is, we, we've seen it since then. It actually goes back much further than this. It goes back to 2006. And this was when, How under the leadership of Howard Dean, Democrats doubled down on their base among uh, secular, young, yuppie, uh, latte-sipping liberal is the kind of uh, uh, stereotype. With clearly the, a socialist materialist bent. I mean, that's clearly where they're going. That was the essence. And they yeah. and they doubled down. And it did help them in 2006. But this doesn't spell great news for them uh, electorally. Because they're, they're, according to a recent poll from Pew, uh, 55% of Democrats don't believe in a God that we would recognize as God. Some of them say, I'm an atheist, but I believe in the chakras, you know, man. Yeah. But the 55% don't believe in a God that resembles the God of the Bible. Uh, among white Democrats, that number rises to 68%. Holy moly. And th- really? this creates a big uh, issue for them because yeah. among uh, black and Hispanic Democrats, the, the it's totally flipped. The majority of them believe in a biblical God. And so you're seeing much greater similarities on questions of religious belief uh, with Republicans, Except- with uh, black and Hispanic Democrats and Republicans. And you're seeing certain cracks in the Democrat electoral uh, coalition. I think that a lot of that is due to this base issue of God. You see that the Amy Barrett uh, floating nomination has really drawn this point home. I don't know if you saw today in the Daily Beast, there was a big expose on Leonard Leo, who is the head of the, the Federalist, Federalist Society. They've put all those great originalist judges up, and it was called The Secrets of Leonard Leo by Michael, J. J. Michelson. And do you know what the secret is? He's a Catholic. Oh my, you're joking. That's the secret. And it it really is. Are you joking? I'm I'm dead serious. And by the way, I don't know which is more hilarious in this article, the uh, outright errors, like just factual errors about (laughs) Christianity and Catholicism, or the insinuations that basic elements of philosophy and theology are crazy and bizarre. But this is how, I mean, you've got to remember that the press is a wing of the Democrat Party. Right. This is like in the 1960s, they they did this to Kennedy, you know, this anti-Catholicism. This is what you're getting. Uh, He writes, uh, Leonard's faith is paramount to him, Carter said. When he traveled, staff members had to find him a church near where he was staying so he could go to Mass every day. Oh, my God. He went to Mass. This is terrible. He to, goes to Mass every day? Every day. Oh, Can you imagine no. that? Oh, yeah. next, next you'll find out he was praying every day, too. <laughs> the, the, the piece goes this on. This must be stopped, yeah. To, to be sure, to be sure, none of this is to repeat the odious claims of anti-Catholicism and dual loyalty. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, see, in American, there's no but after that sentence. There, you, can't, yeah. you, you can't grammatically use but after that and, sentence. And this is it. He says, but Leo has spent a career shaping the federal judiciary to reflect rigid, conservative, religious 
dogmas. And there's that dogma word again. You remember Dianne Feinstein said this at Amy Coney Barrett's confirmation last year. She said, uh, Amy Barrett, you, what, you go to church or something? The dogma (laughs) lives loudly within you. The dogma. And it's just what they, they don't understand what religion means to people because it's a very glib and shallow philosophy. It's the kind of philosophy that boos God. The, in that same piece, it's a really great example, this Daily Beast piece. They say, they, they talk about how he believes that the notions that human life begins at conception, that homosexuality is immoral, that the moral natural law is part of the fabric of the universe, that men and women are <laughs> complementary to one another. He's saying these things as though an alien from outer space came down and started uttering them like a the, crazy person. You know, it, it is because I, I really believe this because socialism is essentially slavery. Mm-hmm. Because socialism is slavery, you have to remove the underpinning of the individual's dignity and holiness and sacredness. You have to get rid of God because you can't enslave people if God is there. You know, I mean, every every step in the way to abolishing slavery came through Christianity because it dignifies the human being. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, this, this that prose, this thing you're reading is unbelievable to me. And there are so many other examples. This is the best one that came out like five <laughs> yeah. minutes ago, but just right. Google it. You'll find a million. The, it's because, As you say, leftism is a jealous God. I mean, <laughs> after the fall of the Berlin Wall, all these leftist ideologies basically came to replace communism and to, re- and to, to be the counter to a religious faith. But, you know, people are starting to get it. In Silicon Valley, there was a great line. It said, uh, you can be openly polyamorous and people will call you brave. You can put micro doses of LSD in your cereal. People will call you a pioneer. But the one thing you cannot be is a Christian. The, the Atlantic is responding to this. They say Democrats must regain the trust of religious voters. Uh, what they're doing, though, is it's. I think it's mostly the glibness and the dismissal that is. It, they're they're both dismissing religion and they're drawing this great fear of it. So you had this guy on CNN. Uh, what's his name? Dean Obadala. He compared Christianity to Sharia law. <laughs> Oh, no, you're kidding. He did. He said they're, uh, they're, uh, Christians are trying to push their own Christian Sharia law into the country. The Washington Post, Catherine Rample said religious law may be coming to America, but it's not Sharia, it's Christian. And there's something very ironic about this, which is they're trying to scare you about Christianity by saying it's just like Islam, while at the same time telling you Islam's great, it's peaceful, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's great. It's a, you know. I thought it was the religion of peace. I think mean, we should be thrilled. I it's said. the religion of peace. And this, the, uh, you know, since then, since 2006, you've seen, there was an article in the New Yorker, the creepy Chick-fil-A infiltration of New York City. Oh, yeah, This I is that. all about God. It's because the, the owner of Chick-fil-A has the audacity to worship God. And uh, now they're against chicken sandwich shops. Uh, th- this, there are a few Democrats who realize the peril of staking your political party against God. Uh, uh, Chris Coons said this, uh, the Delaware senator. He said, uh, we can't just become a secular party. We can't just push secular values that won't resonate with people. Uh, New York Times admitted it in that John Ossoff race. The Democrats have this religion problem. Ossoff sort of wrote off religion. Barack Obama wrote off religious people as bitter clingers yep, in, uh, yep. during the, his presidential campaign. Uh, this gets down to Jerusalem. But in that same uh, convention where they removed God from the platform, they also removed references to Jerusalem as Israel's capital. Yeah. This goes down very, uh, very deep, and it was a it was a short term strategy in 2006. But I think it does spell peril for uh, for the Democrat Party. Uh, they, they can't maintain their coalition over time. The uh, the coalition of the ascendant, as they said, doubling down on divisions among ethnic racial groups. Yeah. They can't double down on that forever if they oppose them on essential questions. You know, it, it's really interesting. I'm watching this show uh, called The Sinner 
on Netflix, just a kind of mystery show from USA and uh, with Jessica Biel. It's, 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 it's fun. It's, it's not, but the whole thing in it is in her youth, her mother is this crazed Catholic uh, who blames her for everything that goes wrong because she's sinning and all this. And I thought, like, this is so old. This is so old. I've seen this a million times. What if, what if it had been a socialist? I mean, that would, right. have, that would have been so much more real, so much more modern and, and new. I mean, ultimately, this narrative breaks down. I think their real problem, though, I really do think their problem is that with God, it's very, very hard to kill them babies. It's, yeah. it's tough to get to the baby killing place. You know, you might get away with it. You might get away with, well, it should be rare because if you don't do it legally, it's going to be it's going to be a back alley abortion. You might get away with that argument. But dressing up in the red, white and blue and doing a march and celebrating baby, baby killing, you're not going to get to that place with God. You just can't do it. And so they're really in a bind. I almost considered playing that clip of Michelle Wolf, you know, in this <laughs> segment, because it wasn't so long ago that the Democrat Party uh, treated abortion as uh, needing to be safe, legal, and rare. Right. That was the Hillary Clinton yeah. campaign line the first time. And that has become a sacramental view of abortion. They've elevated this thing into a sacrament. And I think it's in part because uh, it does, safe, legal, and rare never made any sense. If it's not, if it's morally similar to murder, it shouldn't be legal. If it's morally uh, pointless or uh, morally without value, then it doesn't need to be rare, right? right? The, That's that, right. It, they, it doesn't quite add up. Uh, yeah, and ideas ultimately become logical, so you get Michelle Wolf dancing to abortion. That's right. You yeah. have to dance to abortion. Right. I don't know how they back out of this, though. It seems like they're driving themselves into a kind of Walter Mondale position. They're getting themselves so radicalized. They're pushing so to the fringes of their party. And in, in some ways, you have to thank Donald Trump for this. <laughs> Donald Trump is the guy who makes them yeah. react to him. He just dangles a little bait out there. It's why I, I'm really hoping, Mr. President, if you're watching, the Amy Coney Barrett pick would be so perfect because one, it, for many reasons, it would troll the Democrats out of their minds. She's clearly the yeah. among the most reliable uh, po possible judges, but also it will make this a religious war. <laughs> I mean, this, yeah, no, you, you, you're right. You're right. They, they will try to pass a religious test uh, against Amy Coney Barrett, and uh, I think we win that. Which is actually written in the Constitution. You cannot do that. <laughs> they haven't read that. Uh, they don't know that, that document. <laughs> well, I hope during your show you're going to explain who Walter Mondale is to people, uh, but if not, <laughs> what, else, what else will you be talking about? <laughs> so today I've got uh, Grover Norquist on. We're going to oh, cool. talk about, we're going to talk about Actually, forget about all this abortion stuff. We're talking about the most important issue, which is low taxes. Taxes, absolutely. But, uh, Grover Norquist actually, I, I don't even, this might be some new information of moves that the Trump administration is going to do to seriously increase economic liberty in America and lower your taxes. They can do it from the executive. This is an amazing stuff that he's talking about. And I've got some thoughts on Tommy Lauren that I'll have to, uh, yeah, I've held I, my I tongue saw, so I, long. I, I saw you on Twitter. All right. I'll see you later, Noles. Thanks a lot. See you, Drew. All right. Uh, let's go right into our crappy culture. All right. Well, speaking of God, I want to talk about the church that is currently my church. <laughs> really, but any you know, there is now a move in the Episcopal Church. They are considering overhauling the Book of Common Prayer to take out gendered language when you talk about God. So when you refer to God, you will neither use the male or female uh, pronouns, I guess, or any kind of reference to this. And this is one of the reasons I'm, seri I'm seriously looking for another church. I mean, there's an Episcopal church right at the bottom of my hill. And in L.A., that's everything because of traffic. You know, in LA, I mean, if there were a mosque at the bottom of my hill, I'd become a Muslim at this point, you know, because of the traffic. But, uh, but the Episcopal church has lost its mind. Now, he here's the thing. 
I, I tweeted about this over the weekend and somebody responded, well, God is above gender. And of course that is true. God is beyond gender. We know this because he created male and female in his image, right? So it's not a question of God's nature. That has nothing to do with anything. It is a question of the language of the Gospels and the Bible and the Old Testament. The language that they use is gendered. So in speaking to our shallow, limited minds, the author, ultimate author of the Bible found it meet and right to refer to God the Father, to refer to the Father and the Son, to refer to, you know, the, to use gendered language in referring to God. So the only question here, the only question being debated is who knows best, the Bible or the Episcopal Church? That is the only question being debated because as Thomas Sowell was fond of saying, it's not what's right or wrong, it's who decides what's right or wrong. And if you are basically based on the Bible, if that is your sacred book, it might be that you should think, you should feel that the Bible knows better than you do. And it is part and parcel of the leftist, this leftist idea that the world should be run from the top down, that the priests and the people, you know, they used to say, there used to be a joke in Episcopal churches, what separates the conservatives from the liberals in the Episcopal church? It was the altar rail. In other words, the congregation was conservative, but the priests are liberal. But after a while, when the priests become so radicalized, when they become so uh, uh, unanswerable to their parishioners, when they become so unanswerable to their sacred texts, ultimately people walk away. They have turned, the radicals in the Episcopal Church have turned this church into what used to be called the Republican Party at prayer. There are now fewer Episcopalians in America than Jews, and you cannot believe how few Jews there are in America. I believe that's right. I'm, I'm saying that from memory, but I believe that's true. However, there's going to be one less very soon because I'm, I, I find this intolerable. I find it intolerable that they look at the language of the Gospels. And by the way, this is not an isolated incident. I, I have been, when I travel around, I'll stop off uh, into a church and take mass. And I've gone into Episcopal churches in New York where the guy will literally preach against the gospel. He'll say, the gospel says this, but this is appalling. This can't be, this can't be right. You know, and you think like, dude, you know, get another job. You don't have to be an Episcopalian. You don't have to be a priest. Just get another job. You know, it's, it's ridiculous to put yourself up as a priest of the gospel and preach against the gospel. To say that your language is better than biblical language is classic leftism because it is from the top. We are the experts. We are the elite. We know best. You will do what we say. And that's where you start to become violent towards your fellow man and start to characterize their disagreements as racism and sexism and all the rest. All right. The show went by very quickly, didn't it? Yeah. So, uh, but... Tomorrow is another day, and we will be here tomorrow with a guest. Do we know who our guest will be? That's going to be Matt Peterson from the Claremont Institute. Oh, this is good stuff. This is about the administrative state and how they are, why it's so important, some of the stuff that Trump is doing and what needs to be done so you don't lose your freedom to some faceless bureaucrat idiot who comes to your house and declares your toilet a waterway so he can regulate when you use it. All right, we'll be there tomorrow. I'll be there. You be there. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. The Andrew Claven Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Emily Jai. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire Forward Publishing production. Copyright Forward Publishing 2018.